On today's show, we're going to discuss everyone's favourite nudie Power Ranger. We are also going to talk about how Barry got the nickname The Licking Lizard via a 45-minute hickey. A licky. I was going to discuss some of the standout players to look out for in the World Cup. And how Brian O'Driscoll's Freudian slip almost led to Andrew Trimble being sent home from the 2011 World Cup. <laughs> Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. It's the week we've all been waiting for. Oh, no rugby the weekend. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not behind on homework. Oh, finally. What I really meant was Rugby World Cup 2019 is four days away. This is what we've been waiting for from the start of this show last year. Yeah. And yeah. I know we're not in Japan, which we uh, campaigned for, but we're willing them on from here. And I do think they're going to win it. The pool? No. <laughs> First game. <laughs> The Japan match. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. The yeah. Russia match. Careful, careful. <laughs> Don't get carried away. Uh, I think they're going to win it. I said it in the first show last year. I was like, I think we're going to win the World Cup. And I'm backing them again. No, I don't think we're going to win the World Cup. I wasn't asking you. I was just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> I thought you were starting a debate. <laughs> no, no. Uh, on today's show, we'll have Vlad joining us to preview the Ballocks out of Ireland versus Scotland. And we'll also get you two boys to uh, have a look at the other groups and who you think is going to come out on top of them. Well, also, I want to ask you about your World Cup experiences and the first week and all that crack and how, how what's that like? And also, I want to talk about your first memories of World Cups growing up. Um, because we don't have a game to talk about at the weekend, we can riff on that stuff. Um, we have a busy week, Trimby. Mm -hmm. We have our first live show of the series <coughs> from the Guinness uh, Gate Brewery on Wednesday. Is that what it's called? Open Gate. Open Gate, sorry. On Wednesday evening. Um, thank you to everyone on Facebook who's already been onto our page picking up tickets for that. There are still a few remaining. We've got great guests and uh, it's going to be great. My dad's coming down. Crack. Is he? Yeah. Will I bring my dad? Yeah. That's a great idea. I think they'll get on well. Will they? I think my mum's coming as well. I'm not sure. Cool. Put your mum on hold. <laughs> 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 Definitely. Imagine they just hated each other. They <laughs> got real thick and they had a fight. We should try and make them fight. Well, or arm wrestle. We well, should get them on stage to arm wrestle. Oh, really? Um, Do your dad got long arms? Uh, no, not, not especially. I don't know where I get my long arms from. My dad's really like an orangutan. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm your brother. Yeah. <laughs> 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 What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, we have an, <clears throat> a more stuff. This is like, normally our working week lasts three hours. Yeah. But we've got a, about seven hours work now. <laughs> it's a real job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else have we got going on? We're cross-pollinating this week. Yes. On e. That's right. Yeah, we're going to be making a bit. We're going to be fertilizing the nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> on Wednesday, the movie nerds, Joe run another podcast called The Big Review Ski. Yeah. And we're making cameos in that. Yeah. So I'm very excited. You've done a bit of research. Do you know I'm, I'm concerned my, all my movie knowledge is like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Home Alone, <laughs> any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> I just recently haven't watched any movies. Do, do they have us reviewing an actual movie? I think, are we reviewing um, recently, recently released trailers? That'd be, oh, cool. That I might love be. trailers. Yeah, I like trailers. Yeah. Because you can keep my attention for three and a half minutes. Yeah. I went to It, Chapter 2 on Friday night, because uh -huh. I thought we might be reviewing that, so I went to it, and uh, some of the trailers were 
pretty good, but I can't remember what they were now. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But um <clears throat> it's chapter two. Yeah. Oh my god. Class. I haven't been brave enough, brave enough to go and see the remakes. The the originals scared the crap out of me. I slept in my mum and dad's room for six months after watching them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, how did they let us watch them? <laughs> I know. Ten years of age. Shocking parenting. Yeah, they came out on that Sky mini series where the three of them come out week after week. Yeah. And um, well, there's it was, three, 20, so there's it was no twenty-seven one. years ago, which I thought was interesting because you know Pennywise comes back every twenty-seven yes. years. Yes. So they released the first one last year, twenty-seven years after the original. Yeah. Which just shows you how. Young we were yeah. when we were watching that show. Yeah. <laughs> I was like nine or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, so the premise of this one obviously is chapter two where they're adults now and they're going back to he's back and he's fecking tearing the place asunder again. Yeah. And uh, they go back and they try and revisit their old fears that they had as kids. Uh huh. And why? Why though? I, so this leave, is what... Just leave it. <laughs> bury leave it be. <laughs> well, that's what got me thinking. So um, Stephen King's, his maybe his idea for the whole thing was that like the metaphor is that you have to, if you're struggling with trauma or post-traumatic stress from being a child, you have to revisit whatever it was that you were afraid of as a kid and you have to face it head on. No, not in this, not in this scenario. Face your demons. Face the um, supernatural <laughs> murderous uh, clown. Extra-dimensional No, you're all right. Clown. Am I right in saying, um, from memory, one of the gang stays in Derry, stroke London Derry, mm -hmm. and then he calls the rest of them mm. and he goes, come back, it's back. And they're all, so 27 years later, they're all like successful grown-ups, families, and they're going, listen, um, it's back. And he goes, no, I'm not, I'm not. Come back, listen, we made a pact when we were eight. <laughs> yeah. We promised each other we would come back and sort out it whenever he comes back. No, mate, I'm an investment banker. <laughs> I haven't seen you in like 27 years. I'm happily married, I've got a family. Yeah. I'm not going to go back and visit the murderous um, clown. Yeah. They've all got a scar on their hand because they, they did the, Who the cares? blood brother thing. But it's <laughs> still, like, I'm still not going back. But it's like none of them knew what that was. They're like, but check the scar on your hand. And they're like, oh, the scar. Oh, the scar. Oh, I should go the back. The clown. The <laughs> clown. And you're like, okay, don't believe that part. But um, So they all go back and they yeah. start. And it's kind of like, I was thinking of it in rugby, again, loosely trying to relate this to rugby. So um, it's like when Ireland got such a bait enough, England, and now our fears are that we're too small and we can't handle the big lads. Yeah. And going into this World Cup, like all the talk from the journalists and the pundits is like, my fear for Ireland is that they just can't win the collisions or they're too small <laughs> and the clowns are too big and they're <laughs> yeah. going to eat us. Yeah, yeah. So like... Is this what do we need to face our fears and be like just go up to England and be shouting at them like you're not too yeah. big? No, I don't think I don't Or think you are too big. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I'll just run around. You're you. not too big. Just <laughs> confuse them. <laughs> you are too big. No, I don't think this is that. I think um England in the Ireland rugby context is like is a fear like public speaking. <laughs> it's not a clown that kills people. Because that's yeah. a rational fear. Like that, that's is it ra it's not irrational. It was a clown was real, man. <laughs> he pulled George's arms it's, off. It's, the that's drain. what I'm saying. It's rational. That yeah, it pulled George's arms off. Yeah. It killed your younger brother. Don't go back. But Just what, do not face your fears. You don't have to. I picture Joe Schmidt picking up the phone in 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lads. Come on, lads. Where are you? <laughs> to <Langy's> back. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. no. Here, tell me. Um, 
when you named your daughter Annabelle, mm-hmm. was that you facing your fears because you're so scared of that movie, Baby Annabelle, the murderous doll? I didn't know she was a murderous doll. <laughs> I did not know this. <laughs> you, know like, you have to confront this. You have to name your daughter after something you're scared of. Yeah. The murderous doll. Well, there is actually a doll. Because in that situation, I should have called Jack Jaws or Candy Candyman <laughs> or It. How did we... Or Incy Wincy. (laughs) You're afraid of spiders. Yeah. So they're your three fears. I was going to ask you this. Your three fears are... Yeah. Jaws? Well, sharks. Was that because of Jaws? Um, Yes, but also because of um, um, Discovery Channel documentaries, Jaws Week. Did you watch Jaws? Shark Week, sorry. Yeah. But you would have watched them as an adult. Still, but like... Um, the shark, the shark that's killing people, yeah. doesn't say I'm not going to kill him because he's a grown up. Well, he doesn't kill them on Discovery Channel, though, does he? Yeah, he does. Kill people. Well, yeah, there's there's shark documentaries where they kill people. Ah, it's uh, just way Egypt. more real. Like, I feel like it could be. No, it's fun. less real. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, way, it's way less real. When you're a kid, it's real. It's rational. Yeah. So that those are my two fears. I, I watched Jaws last week. Actually, it's always on Sky One. I can't switch over when it's on. And uh, it's funny because he roars, the shark roars. <laughs> when he comes out of the water, he's like, Rah! <laughs> when he opens his mouth. You're like, how did I fall for this? Candyman is the other one? Uh, Candyman, yeah. Um, and, uh, and spiders. Candyman was another six months in mum and dad's room. Candyman are like South Africa. Coming back. <laughs> Coming back from yeah. nowhere. Yeah, I suppose. Don't say South, South Africa. Africa, South Africa, South Africa, <laughs> South Africa. Five South Africa. times <laughs> Look him out. Rasmus arrives and kills you. <laughs> Pull, guts you in front of the mirror. Yeah. Uh, Spiders is the other thing I'm scared of. I hear. That's not as rational because they're not. There's big spiders about this time of year. This is spider season. Mm. Yeah, you know Merv Murphy, the video analysis of Ireland? Mm. Me and him have had long conversations about spiders. And I wouldn't keep in touch that much, but I always text him on the 1st of September every year. Good luck with spider season. <laughs> 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 he started doing all his reviews, his analysis yeah. on spiders. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't be afraid of spiders. That's too. Um, and I caught one the other day silly. and uh, ran into me and said, Come on, come on and see the size of this spider. And she had a, a bowl over it. And uh, while she was like saying, this spider's enormous, I did this, did that, this is how I caught it. And while she was telling that story, another spider ran out behind her, a bigger spider. To distract him, to distract her maybe. Yes, and then, then this spider jumped out and ran off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he stayed there, but... Um, high-fiving. I was just imagining... Take a while, the high-fiving. <laughs> I was just imagining the big spider was like standing behind her. As if like she's slagging his mate. He's going, uh huh. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> so we um, caught the both of them, put them in the sink. And then Anna was guilt. Felt guilty that the spiders were drowning and they were kind of drowning slowly. So we sprayed them with the chip. Speeded up. <laughs> we thought we were doing. We thought cleaning, that was a... cleaning the spiders yeah. before they die, like washing them in ointment. <laughs> yeah. Um, my fears were more based on uh, scenarios that happened to me uh-huh. as a kid like uh-huh. that, that were traumatic. Um, like I had an awful fear that my legs were too skinny. So uh, I used to, sometimes I'd wear shorts under my, my, my pants to make my legs look bigger <laughs> as a teenager. Uh, and like, do you, ever, do you remember those Sonetti or fire trap jackets that you used to wear, the puffy ones? Yeah, yeah. You'd wear them in them your legs would look extra skinny then underneath them. Yes. Like your school uniform, you're like, fuck, man. Oh, my legs. You're going out playing rugby against these big mass I'll never play for Ireland. Little drain pipes sticking out from underneath <laughs> my, my pants. 
And then skinny jeans became cool, and then that probably made it even worse. Because when we were kids growing up, it was yeah, baggy well, jeans, you probably I got away with it. My legs aren't too bad now. They're not as... They're still a bit... No, I'm not saying it's still an issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm facing my fears here. That's what I'm trying to do, okay? Uh, shifting girls for the first time, uh-huh. that was so traumatic. Uh-huh. No one tells you how to kiss a girl for the first yeah. time. So, like, I remember going to my first Energizer, which was the, the, the disco in Limerick, and... Uh, I'd shifted a girl before, but I'd never given anyone a hickey. I need to give, apparently, this is what you do in energizers. Uh. Someone definitely doesn't tell you how to do a hickey. Like, So first time I went in, I was shifting a girl, and I, I gave her a hickey for about 45 minutes. And uh, <laughs> thinking I'd done a great job, we shook hands, and I walked off. She just passes out. <laughs> and then the next day in school, I was like, we went out for a small break, and I was like, yeah, gave her a hickey last night. One of my mates, James, just goes... Uh, yeah, I met her afterwards when she's, she came up to me and she said, what's the story you made Barry? He was just licking my leg for the last half an hour. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't know that you had to like create suction. He was licking? I was just licking her neck, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's obviously had a few hickeys though. Yeah, she's oh She's like yeah. a hickey connoisseur. Seasoned, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. beat yourself up. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I think that's my last one. Maybe you like... Done a bit of that. If you're licking her neck for 45 minutes, like... Oh, was, there's a lot of friction there. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, my tongue was killing me, a blister. <laughs> it's like, this is a bad idea. This is a deep learning curve. <laughs> my last one was uh, clearing the, the history off your dad's computer when you were younger. <laughs> that was very traumatic. Because <laughs> if you're looking up a nudie picture, you'd have to delete it. But if you deleted it, he'd know. If the history was cleared, yeah, he'd be like, "Why is the history cleared?" Like, oh. Why have I never searched anything in my computer? Ever <laughs> yeah. used it ever? What are you trying to hide? <laughs> so I was like, "Fuck, he's on to me." So you say you were researching a present for his birthday? Ah, oh, it's no good to me now. <laughs> yeah, now you can delete like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd never know. Back then, you had to delete everything. Yeah. So it's like, so I, I took to like. Uh, printing off nudie pictures, <laughs> <laughs> which took about three days. So if my parents would do away for a long weekend, I'd print off, like, I remember yeah. printing off a picture of the Pink Power Ranger. I googled Pink Power Ranger boobs. And it just <laughs> <laughs> picture, and it was just a, a girl with Pink Power Ranger helmet and a, and a pair of boobs. How did you know there was something exactly, that's your niche, like, that was obviously your I two was, areas, very your Venn diagram. I'm very attracted to her. <laughs> And yeah, my bed there, I was like, perfect. And my dad came home and I forgot to take it off the countertop. And Your dad's like, where'd you ask him? He, he just great. lifted it up. And everybody just goes, ah, bear. One of the lads. Just uh, <laughs> playing one of the lads. He was like, it's grand, it's grand. Crumpled it up in the ball and threw it in the bin. I was like, straight up. <laughs> Trying to get all the creases out of it. So that was quite scary. That's my child. I've faced all my fears. I'm over it now, okay? Uh, we see a fly. I bet you if we get fly on here, his fears would be like, I gave too many good hickeys. <laughs> so Match of fears. Yeah. yeah. I was too good at giving <clears throat> hickeys. That was my fear. Yeah. My fear is I belittled other hickey givers. <laughs> All right, well, let's get him out of here. We'll, uh, we'll get Jerry out. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, welcome back. And uh, we're joined on the couch by Jerry Flannery. 
Flat Thank out. you. Thanks. How's it going? Neck liquor. Neck liquor. Do you know the Munchens? I was thinking there. Do you know the Munchens um, Torch magazine, which is our magazine that you get at the end of school when you leave the year at the end of every year? Why is it called Torch magazine? Why was it called the Torch? It's a big secret, is it? <laughs> no, you can't it tell just, me. It was just like a picture of a torch. On I think it. that was oh, our not what? not like a like a torch, as in like a fire, not like a, just a torch. Like a, yeah. So when I was leaving school, which is probably six years after the the licking thing, yeah, my uh, my profile was like li licking lizard was what they called <laughs> me. <laughs> so it carried through the. They're whole, hard to shake. Uh, hard <laughs> <way> through the <laughs> whole, whole of my school years. Um, yeah, <laughs> torture. I yeah. deserved it. Um, all right, well, shall we get on to rugby? Lads, I want to talk to you about your earliest rugby <coughs> World Cup memories as children. Uh, well, the first ever Irish game that I was ever at, my, my, my old man brought me to the, the quarter-final against Australia uh, up, in, up in Lansdowne Road when Gordon Hamilton scored that scored that, uh, that try. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, And I was like, oh, we lost. But it was, it was class. And my dad was bringing me to that. Myself and my brother was on the Saturday, and on the Friday night he went out for pints with uh, an Australian maid of his and my mother, and we had a babysitter. And my brother uh, convinced me to pretend that he'd stabbed me, and put ketchup all over my stomach, <laughs> and uh, had me hold a knife on the ground. And he just started screaming, and the babysitter came in, and I was like on the on the ground pretending. To be dead. <laughs> and she had a fucking meltdown, a nervous breakdown. Thought I was dead. And I called my parents and stuff, and we were like, geez, we're only messing. My dad came home because he, she called the restaurant. My dad came home, had to leave, like, and uh, he got home. We were like, man, we're only joking. And he wouldn't bring us to the game. That was a punishment. Gra grounded us. Why didn't the babysitter just look? Why didn't she? She just ran straight to the phone and goes, yeah. Brian has stabbed Barry. Barry. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the full extent of it just yeah. yet. <laughs> because I'm on the phone to you. So talking to this Chinese guy from yeah. the Jasmine yeah. Palace. <laughs> Tell Nick Murphy. Sorry. The wine list and uh, so I think, uh, are you Mr. Michael Murphy? I think uh, your son has dad, the other son. So oh okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a bit of a kill buzz. Yeah, so I didn't get to go, but you went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to the Zimbabwe game, which was the last game of the group, I think. That was my first ever rugby game the week before. And they hammered them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th those <clears> games were on in, that was on Tone Park, was it? So Bab Games lands on road as well. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. All right. That's probably only like 12, so. Gordon Hamilton's on the professional game board now. Or he was involved, he was like a manager for Ulster for a while. Was he? And um, whenever. I, I met him, Gordon Hamilton, I was like, that name rings a bell. And then uh, everyone, any time anyone ever meets him, they're like, that's the guy who scored the try. In 91. Yeah. It's always the way. It's yeah. his intro. When we were talking about baggy jerseys last week, that baggy jersey never looked as good when he was flaking. Yeah, yeah. Trailing behind yeah. him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, great moment. Yeah, good times. Is that your earliest memory? Woke well, up memory, yeah. yeah. Memory, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember much about it. Just my dad was watching it. And uh, he didn't explain much <laughs> to me. I'm a bit younger than you two. Mm. So, yeah, I don't remember much. Don't remember. 95, I think, is when it really kicked off for me. It was like yeah. Jonah and the superstars. Yeah, just, Chester Williams. Yeah, poor fella. Yeah. Yeah, sad week. Um, both of you obviously played in two World Cups. Um, this is an interesting week now when everyone arrives. Uh, I'd love to know what that's like. 
when when you first arrive into a country there's obviously the Japanese seem to be going mental for every team that's given they've given everyone an incredible reception and there's those World Cup cap ceremonies and uh, you're getting adjusted to the culture and all that kind of crack. What yeah, I don't remember as much about 2007. I don't think we arrived as early in 2007. Everything about 2007 was, was, was miserable in general. It was a disaster. But as a result then we went early in 2011 in New Zealand <laughs> and we spent a week having the crack in, uh, in Queenstown. But yeah. we didn't do that in, um, in Bordeaux, did we? No, I don't, I don't think. It's like you said, I, I don't remember much from 2007. I remember... All I can remember is the feeling of what it was like in yeah. that, like it was just so, it was like this smugness, like we were like, you know, like that South Park when they're farting in the glasses and slipping their own farts, or, oh, off to the World Cup soon, that's going to go well for us. And then it was like, it was just an absolute disaster. But we were staying in a terrible hotel in the middle of an industrial estate or something yeah. like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so depressing. I mean, it was, the, was the intention of that to get you away from everyone? Yeah, get away from distractions. Which like... Because oh, we were hindsight. so we were going to be inundated with fans mm. who wanted to talk to us because we were so good, and then when it was actually we were so shit. Uh, it was just so depressing. But that was if you compare two thousand and seven and two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven was way more of a like you said they they were a bit a bit sharper in terms of making sure that the players were actually happy that it was a good environment. So mm. we had a lot more crack. And for for me going out there. <coughs> because I had all my injury problems before we went out, I didn't actually think I'd even be playing rugby. And then to end up going out there, I was I was trying to absorb everything when we were going out. Like, all the little things like the... Normally when you get to New Zealand, they do like a hack in the airport, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Then you get to first training session, there's some other dudes have come out and they've done a hack as well, and you're like, oh, okay. And then there's <laughs> always a hack somewhere where you go... And, but I was really trying to go like, shit, I, I didn't think I actually, I thought I was going to be retired. So I was enjoying the models. There were more hackers, more, 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 <laughs> do, you, more. do you remember the hacker when we got off the plane and we were all standing on the runway and we were being greeted by this hacker yeah. and this um, guy was flailing around this like stick on a, on a string. Very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, and he kind of got what he deserved. <laughs> He's like flinging this round and then just <laughs> cracked himself in the forehead <laughs> with a bit of like Marty Wood or something. And then uh, we were all, oh, no. <laughs> but then they like they're, they're so good at keeping such poker faces. Mm. He just kept going. <laughs> you tell he was like he wanted to cry. <laughs> he wanted to cry, and then this, like where he um, where he hit himself, it just started to swell up. <laughs> oh, you're and all, like, me. He did unbelievably well keeping poker faces. <laughs> Uh, but it was there was a far more far more of a an awareness of 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 having a bit of crack on the tour on that one or on on the campaign. And we moved about a lot as well, which helped. I thought. Mm. What the, what was the you you gotten you gotten some trouble with, with with our manager Paul McNaughton? I remember. I think I'm trying to remember you. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but I think there was some sort of thing where Trimby was in charge of. Uh, whenever we go to training, you know, every day, someone has, someone is in charge of, say, either fines, then someone else would be in charge of telling us a little bit about the area, so we, we, we get up to speed with where we are and we have a better appreciation of what the locals. And um, Trimby would get up and he'd say, like, oh, we're here in Rotorua, and it's like, it's 75% Maori people here, and, you know, there's, like, this university over here and all this stuff. And did, did you not do some sort of, what was it? Did, Dr did Drico do something to start? Drico arrived <coughs> in Queenstown 
and um and it was like a big fanfare and all this attention loads of people there and then he had to make a speech and he said we were in queenstown and he said um it's amazing to be here in queensland and we we're all oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh, wow and uh hello and he, springton <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of like Draco was a really good speaker but he kind of got flustered a bit because he'd said the wrong one and obviously like a big rival uh, Australia and then he said um, oh I mean and he, he was frantically trying to think of an excuse and he said You're making him seem like Hugh Grant no whoops a daisy and he goes um, oh sorry that was a, a Freudian slip and then we were like I, said, I don't think that's that's a Freudian slip so then um, then I did um piece on the bus about like New Zealanders <laughs> <laughs> will fall for anything if you make any mistakes or say anything offensive or anything out of line at all just say it was a Freudian slip <laughs> 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 and uh, that's the way to get out, get out of it but um, Paul McNaughton like he kind of took exception to this he thought because our bus driver was a Kiwi and, and Greg Feek was a Kiwi yeah so but I, it was, it was I, so he was like trying to stop you Say like trying to get the mic off you. So no, he no, he was fine at the time, and then he took me aside, and I, we got we got back to the hotel in Wellington, I think it was then, it was the next one, and um, there was like a, our team room <clears throat> had like a large window where everybody used to dine, oh, yes. to her, and there was like a patio, and he took me and he said, Andrew, come outside, and uh, <laughs> it was like I was on stage being told off in the, out on the patio, sitting on the patio furniture like this, being told off, and he, um, he made me, he said, Andrew, are you stupid? <laughs> I was there. Uh, you know, I interpreted that as a rhetorical question, yeah. <laughs> which apparently it wasn't. <laughs> Are you stupid? Like, I'm so stupid, I can't even answer that question. <laughs> and I had to say, no, Paul, I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, me and Paul, actually, I quite enjoyed his comment. I quite liked that we were rivalry, but uh, he hated me. Did he? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. You, like, you're leaving out the main, but you <clears throat> doubled down the next day when you got in the bus. Yeah. With your quiz. So the next day when we got in the bus, we, we were all just watching Nauters just giving out the Trimby like, and uh, we were like, oh man, he's giving it to him. And then we we're like, oh, well, that's going to be the end of that crack. And the next day when Trimby got in the bus, he was like, uh, he did it, but he did a quiz this time. So he goes, okay, well, look, I got a bit of stick yesterday for saying that like, um, that, that maybe the Kiwis weren't, weren't, as, weren't, as, weren't as clever and that you could just get away with just saying Freudian slip. So we're going to have a little quiz. And I think you had Paul McNaughton was representing the rest of the world. Uh -huh. And you had Greg Feek was representing <laughs> New Zealand. And his first one was like, okay, so... And he gives some massive mathematical equation. He goes, so first, first question to you, Paul McNaughton. He said, like, explain Pythagoras' theorem or something like that. And it was like, oh, didn't really get that one right. And he said, Greg Feek, next question to you. Two plus two. And we were all like roaring, <laughs> laughing, man. But you could see like Paul McNaughton is generally a pretty calm guy. You could see his face was starting to go red. There was steam coming out of his ears, man. And he, he Yeah, he hated me. He didn't like me one bit. Oh, yeah. That, you're so brazen. I yeah, know, I was, that was, I was like, I was, I was the bad boy of the tour. Yeah. Wasn't I? That was the turning, man. That was the turning <laughs> yeah. point for you in life. You started to really... Yeah, became bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naughty. Yeah. Or not that was not it. Then, um, whenever uh, Mick Carney arrived, 
the next manager, everybody tried to stoke up this whole rivalry again. <laughs> like, he hates all managers. <laughs> There's no issue with me and, me and Mick. Uh, anyway. So what's this week like then for them to be, what's the cap ceremony like? What goes on there? Is it, are these things exhausting? Are That's they? a bit boring, I thought. Mm. That's just, you just head along, you got to shake someone's hand, get a cap, get a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Finish training, put on your number ones, go down to the town centre <clears> or this, meet the mayor of the town and then there's caps presented to everyone. Mm -hmm. Do you, would you mingle much with the other teams out there in, in any of the hotels or would you, would you wouldn't share hotels with any other teams or anything like that, did you? No, I don't think so. There's not much socialising outside with other, other <coughs> players. I tell you, I, we, I went out because I got injured in 2011 and um, before we played Australia, <coughs> myself and uh, I think couple of other lads, uh, Bossy might have been there, and we went out that night. We went out on the Thursday night, maybe before we before we played Australia, and because um, I was obviously injured and the other lads weren't involved, so we went out and we had a few drinks. And the next day, when we or sorry, when we were playing Australia, and I was out out in the pitch when we were warming up. I remember, I think it was Beric Barnes. I think his name was the the the, the Aussie Ten. Mm. He wasn't playing. He walked up to me and he goes. Uh, he goes, remember you came up to me in, in, in the nightclub? And I was like, oh, vaguely. He's like, what was I saying to you, sir? He kept telling Stephen Moore to stay away from your mother. Stephen Moore was the, the lads found out in this kind of weird way. Stephen Moore was the, I don't know, was he the Aussie captain at, the, at that World Cup? But his dad is from, <laughs> is from Galway. And he was, his dad was my mother's first boyfriend. So then whenever we played against Australia and it was the lads used to kind of get into me saying, like, oh, Stephen Moore, your half-brother is playing. And then... I just, he that said, it's such a small screaming. world, yeah. isn't it? So fucked up, man. She was screaming at him, stay away from my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, via Beric Barron, like Barry Barron said, tell Stephen Moore to stay the fuck away from my mother. And he was like, what are you on about, man? Oh, man. I know, whatever, Stephen Moore's dad, tell him to fuck, stay the fuck away <laughs> yeah. from my mother, yeah. And you, Stephen Moore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of you. That week in uh, Queenstown, though, we, we had a couple of nights out, but then, because we were there so early and we just wanted to kind of, so this is before the first game? Yeah. You had a couple you, of nights out? Yeah, but you went like really early. You went like 10 days before the game. Mm. Like, and it wasn't a big game first. It wasn't like Scotland. I can't remember who it was first. Um, but we'd one or two USA. nights out. USA, yeah. Actually, mm. <laughs> we didn't go great. No, one. no. It was... Anyway, um, then one of my memories of that was um, uh, uh, Rory, had a, he was dug in in this bar on the, on the rooftop of this bar. Were you there at that time in Queenstown? And um, he uh, he had become good mates with the barman downstairs, so much so that he had the, he had his phone number. And if he ever wanted another round, he just call he called him <laughs> and he says, "Hi, hi there, it's Rory from the Roof again. <laughs> Bring up Bring another up round of drinks." <laughs> uh, well, so I presume with Scotland being this week, they're not gonna. No, stuck into a couple of nights. They were a bit later. It's it's, it's it's not even it's not even going out and going <clears throat> like going bananas. It's just it's just having an an, <clears throat> an air of normality around it. It's just doing some socialising. Which if you compare two thousand and seven with two thousand eleven, two thousand eleven was enjoyable. You know what yeah. I mean? Two thousand seven was was they cut you off as opposed to like letting you yeah. experience it. Mm. And England were throwing dwarfs around Queenstown at the time, were they not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we were doing that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was the story anyway. But the English media, they they, they kill them all the time. But fuck, it's, mm. maybe you don't need to go as far as dwarf throwing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta unwind though. Yeah, yeah. Should they and expect it from us? Like we might as well, you know, <laughs> yeah. expect the worst from them. So might yeah. as well give them the worst. Um, 
talks in the media about the English team getting paid oh, yeah. astronomical amount of money to as an incentive to win the World Cup. Can't remember what it was. Pat, have you any idea how much that was? No, I just know that like the Kiwis are saying it was three times <coughs> whatever they're getting paid. Like. That's it. Yeah. So um, probably 200, 250 grand a man, I'd say, something like that. Fuck. Yeah. That's mental. Yeah. Um, what would that, was that something ever do you think that, like obviously there was an incentive for you as well financially, mm. is that something that can rally a team or what are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think, well, I don't think it's so. a lot of money, man. Um, you're not going to try any, <clears throat> any harder or any, you're not, you're not going to have, you're not going to get any more effort out of people because you're paying them particularly more, you know, the whole thing is, if you win a World Cup, then that you know money will will, will not be an issue anyway. Just I think I remember O'Connell before one of the World Cup games saying, "Lads, just remember how much money, <laughs> <laughs> remember how much money's on the line here." <laughs> imagine the crack we'd have, um, but like imagine the winning the World Cup and knowing that you've just made two hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, but if imagine. you're a World Cup winner, you'll probably make more money. Yeah, in the next twenty years of your life. Just yeah. constantly talking about it and yeah. going on the circuit. Yeah, very interesting. Um, heading into the Scottish match then the weekend, uh, talk quickly about what we can expect. Um, Fla, what do you think are the <coughs> threats that Scotland pose? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see who, the, the main thing for our, from when I'm looking at, I watched the two, the two I, I watched Scotland in the, in the warm-ups and uh, their scrum was massively under the pump against Georgia. Like Georgia, Georgia had very little rugby, but they had a serious scrum, and um, it was like they just the whole every single one of the Georgian players just looks like like a Bond villain, not not even like a Bond villain because the Bond villains are always <laughs> yeah. like a guy like with, like, with one eye or a cold sore or Bell's palsy <laughs> or something like that. They were like they were like the Bond villains henchmen. Yeah, yeah. So like, but like, they were uh, like yeah, the they, guy that threw his hat. Odd job. Yeah, yes. I think he's, yeah. think he's he was he Asian. Like, man. Um, these guys these guys didn't look Asian. He looked like uh, <laughs> what's your man's name? They were there for three years. Stop trying to pass over the fact our job is Asian, man. He Georgian. looked like um, oh, what was your man's name? The original uh, all black fucking the 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 winger that was enormous back in the nineties. Lumo. No, oh before. yeah, yeah. The guy Twigamala. Twigamala. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, did. Yeah, did. He, he did. Look he job. did. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But they, but you digress. The scrum, the, we <laughs> the had a yeah. Ulster, Ulster signed a, a Georgian prop last year, year before last, for a period of time whenever we were struggling with tight heads. And this guy, when he arrived, like just talking about Georgian scrummagers, yeah. <laughs> this guy, his press release or his tweet that he put out whenever he had, was announced that he was coming, he was like, I look forward to scrummaging at Kingspan. <laughs> 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 Not catching or passing. <laughs> oh, no, no. But, they, they, but that's. But Scotland struggled there, so that's an area that I think Ireland can get after. The other side then is, um, I think the halfbacks. Who who Scotland go at halfbacks? Will they go at Laidlaw and Russell, or will they go at Price and Hastings, or will they mix that up? But um, I think Finn Russell has looked has looked awesome for them. He's just got so much variation in his game and his, his the array of kicks that he has. He's uh, he, you know they they play with a lot of width. Yeah, looking to move the ball to the edge all the time. But I think that he just keeps defenses honest with like little little chips over the top, little grubbers in behind. Mm. Um, just I, I, I think he manages. I, I think Adam Hastings is really dangerous. Yeah, as well, would, you, but would you get him in there somewhere as well, Hastings? I don't know. I haven't I haven't <clears throat> seen Hastings feature anywhere outside of 
outside of first receiver at 10. Mm. So I'm not sure. Played a bit of 12 for Glasgow, I think, isn't he, at yeah. times? I, I, haven't, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ireland have got, a, or Joe's got a couple of decisions to make with uh, Henshaw. Obviously, he's going to play 13. Mm. And then Erzy's not fit yet, is he? No. Or he's a doubt no, anyway. So he's going to train fully later in the week, but there's no way he's going to play this weekend, yeah. yeah. But he's ruled him out already, has he? No, he haven't ruled him out, but he won't play. Yeah. yeah. Erzy? Yeah, he won't oh, play. I reckon, yeah. yeah. And Henshaw was announced this morning that he's missing the game but not coming home from the World Cup. Yeah, like definitely yeah. out of the first, probably even going to be out of the second, but then, yeah, they're not bringing over any, any standbys. But yeah. Carberry's fit, though. Yes, yeah. yeah, he's back training, yeah. It's going to be important. Whoever's at 13, you saw Henshaw... How high he got up on the outside and how he how he cut off how he cut off that last well, pass. It'll be, be Ringrose. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that was what people initially were saying, but then, like with the physicality you might get from Farrell, is there, would there not be an argument there as well? Yeah, like, good point. Um, but you're if he's getting high and if you want if you want someone to make reads the way Henshaw made, then that's probably Ringrose. Mm, yeah. Well, I think I think Chris Farrell is capable as well. I would have thought Chris. <coughs> I would have thought that Henshaw was or that with Henshaw out that. Ringrose would be the next man up, but you don't know. Again, like you pointed out last week, that he becomes that utility player, and even yeah. like with with the Henshaw down, you would assume he'd go straight in, but it's not the case because yeah. off the bench he can cover everything really mm. across the back line. I think if it was late in the week, they might put <clears throat> Farrell straight in, so they don't have to muck about the bench, mm. make two changes. Mm. But because it's early enough, mm. they might they might do that. Then the other thing is um, instead of Earls, do they go Conway or do they go Lemuel? You <laughs> 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 were waiting for that. Uh, He's no interest in the answers to that question. <laughs> yeah, <never mind. laughs> um, what do you think this got to be targeting? So, with that in mind, do you think Russell's going to play the way he plays in Racing, where it's going to be <coughs> an option? Whether when he gets the ball, you don't don't know whether he's kicking, passing, going himself, whatever. It's just from anywhere. I think I think the Scots the strength of their game has been able to is 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 how is the width that they play with because they've got guys like Seymour they've got guys like uh, like Kinghorn if he plays and particularly Stuart Hogg who can stand people up in wider channels and go around them, um, but I think and, and Hastings plays plays that way they they attack from inside their own half they'll run the ball from inside their own half you know, great effect and they can retain the ball well. They're not as strong. They don't have as many momentum winners to just punch the way like England could with Billy Vanapola, punch in tight and then spread the ball. So I think Ireland's ability to put to put pressure on the Scottish set-piece delivery will make will make it a lot easier to defend that width mm. um, initially. And I think that Scotland, you know, it's not going to take a genius that Scotland are going to try and target Ireland's line-out. Mm. and put as much pressure as they can on that. But I think Ireland have been steady in the ship over the last couple of games. Okay. Uh, Scottish line-out capable of doing that, do you think? Is that something we have to be... Like you talked about last week where we needed to maybe get the ball to, to the back of the line-out a little bit more to to give ourselves a f- more of a front foot. Um, is that Do you think we'll be able to be capable of doing that? Or? Um, well, look, I think coming off how we went against England and we just said, listen, England were giving us the front and we kept trying to throw the 50-50 ball in around the middle back of the line-out and Atoje was getting up and disrupting a lot of those. You're better off just focusing on winning the ball and then having a plan that if you win the ball at the front that you can still get to the edge, you might just have to play another phase. Um, I think the main thing is that Ireland build confidence in their set-piece. So mm. they don't have to take, they don't take the risky throws to start with because mm. the Scottish will feed off that, you know, they'll, and it will make it harder for Rory, it will make it harder for whoever the calling line-out, line-out caller is. Um, but I think I, I think 
Ireland have to put pressure on the Scottish lineout. I think our our contesting lineout has dropped off a lot on the opposition ball. I think the last two Six Nations, Ireland took twenty percent of the opposition's ball, and then just my rugby stats. Yeah, and then coming through to coming through, like they didn't take a single ball off Wales in the in the last game. They took one off them in the in the pre game previous. They didn't take a single ball off England and Italy. Italy there was three lineouts, so that's in four games. They took four lineouts and three of them were against Italy. So I'm not even saying that that's just stats. I don't know if, if they're actually pinched or if the opposition lost the ball through their own errors. But Ireland need to put Ireland should have a strong enough contesting lineup to stop teams winning the ball towards the tail. Because like I said, Scotland like to play to the edge. So if you can make them win the ball at the front all the time, it will make it so much harder to move the ball to the edge. Yeah, there was a time there when you're you're where you're right when you're saying that when they were winning twenty percent of the options opposition's ball, there's a time when Peter Armani seemed to be right. getting in the way of every single lineup that that an opposition mm. against England that time and and against the All Blacks. Um, and you're right, I haven't seen a huge amount of that. Um, is there a reason why they, they would have taken focus off it, or um, teams just been a bit smarter? I don't know. Like <clears throat> generally, you focus on 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 your own ball first and make sure you're securing that, and that. You know, a lot of contesting is generally like you, you, you set a system where, it's, listen, you're going to be a jumper. You might have a man watch where you have you bookend it with two lifters. So you, at either end of the line, you've got two lifters. And then you might just have a spread of all jumpers and they're just going to all react. That takes a lot of training time. Sometimes you're better off going with a system where you just say, listen, we're going to go up, say, we're going to put Ian Henderson here in, say, the middle back and he's going to cover the middle back and the back because as the ball's going to the back, he has time to get up because the ball has to travel a further distance. And you might let Peter Armani roam in around the front and middle front. Um, but it just for, the thing I noticed is that they just weren't contesting towards the tail of the line-out, and that's going to put them under pressure against teams that play with a lot of width. So that just getting in the air, you just have to get in the air and put pressure on the throw, which is what other teams have been doing to Ireland. So mm -hmm. you just want to see us winning our own ball, and, and getting good delivery from that, and then conversely then putting pressure on the opposition delivery, particularly Scotland. Mm. Any selection, other selection issues for you or anyone you'd, you'd like to see play? <coughs> no, it, uh, I suppose the, the, the back row is a little bit up for grabs, is it? Mm. Um, CJ came back and produced a big performance. He was getting a little bit of criticism. Jack Conan did well, but did he do well enough to dislodge him? Or did he do well enough to shift him around? But then the knock-on effect of that is be going to seven mm. instead of Josh, which is maybe it'd be good for a lineup. But it's Josh is invaluable. I think he had something different. Mm. So, uh, and then you would imagine it's it's handy and James Ryan in the row. That's not that's not gonna. A lot of talk about Klein. A lot of mm. people. I know it's all just speculation, but a yeah. lot of talk about Klein getting in there. It's that physicality and Dave Kilcoyne as well coming in maybe instead. Yeah. You know what's brilliant for Ireland? How, how well the ba their bench played. And they come off the bench uh, against Wales a couple of weeks ago because the Scotland game is going to be really fast-paced. Scotland mm. like to play with width. It's going to well, it's going to be slipping off greasy ball, but it's going to be it's going to be hard hard ground. You know, I think mm. we're going to see a lot of rugby, a lot more rugby than we've seen mm. over the summer. And then boys are going to get knackered. Boys are going to be out. Mm. Cronin coming in, Kilcoyne coming in. Guys coming off the bench making a big impact. I think it'll be pretty. Important yeah. for them. Do you like the thoughts of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sounds it's solid. 
my missus is away at the weekend, so I, I've got to find some sort of way of getting the kids looked after for a couple hours on Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, we'll be recording here uh, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock. We'll get in as early as we can after that match. But before that, we'll have Wednesday night, we're going to have a live show from the Guinness Open Gate Brewery. We'll have Dave Denton there, uh, Scottish, um, for, to give the Scottish perspective. We'll have Megan Williams, and we'll have another special guest yet to be announced. So can't wait for that. Uh, <coughs> just looking David ahead. Denton, David Denton's just announced his retirement there. Has he? Yeah. Ah. Pod, isn't that yeah, right? It just happened this morning, yeah. yeah. This morning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, so well. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be a barrel laugh, so <laughs> <laughs> we need to try so, and cheer him up. Something to talk about. Um, the group, we'll just go through a few of the other groups. Um, give, your, uh, give, me, give me your ideas and what you're thinking. Pool B, New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, Namibia and Canada. Um, foregone conclusion, I think that New Zealand and South Africa obviously will, will come through that. Namibia, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Namibia in the mix. Uh, yeah, there's a, like, I think, look, it's, Ireland's going to face one of them, you would hope. Um, the lesser of two evils seems to be New Zealand at this point well, in time. Oh, no, South Africa are less evil. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser of two evils, you think? Yeah, we're talking about this. We're saying there. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think pe most people are saying they prefer to play New Zealand. No, yeah. that's lunacy. Yeah, I you think, think so? I think that's lunacy. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Jeez, it's yeah. been a, it's been the talk of the town at the moment. Um, so you'd prefer New Zealand? Yeah, I, I, I think. I prefer South Africa. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be, um, it'd be crazy to. Be Neither game is going to be easy, but yeah. at least South Africa is going to be a little bit more predictable. Right. You know what I mean? It, they're, they're gonna. They're gonna. If you don't match them physically, you're gonna get, you're gonna get killed. Mm -hmm. But if New Zealand play to a level that they can with the players that that, that with their skill set, then they're they're pretty much unplayable. But they have, you know, they struggled in the championship. Whether they were trying things out, whether they were overplaying, I think by the end of it uh, in the Bledisloe, they they got a real good mix of. I know the conditions are poor, but they got a real good mix with their kicking game, and they transferred an awful lot of pressure. And the Moanga Barra thing <clears throat> started to work well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I think they're both to be feared, but New Zealand are a great. They're they're a shark, mm. and I think South Africa are just like a, a breed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stick with the animal theme. Okay. I'm gonna go like South Africa, are like, like a, a poisonous, like a large poisonous spider. It's not ideal. Yeah. But better than a shark. Not very physical though, is it? Like a poisonous yeah. spider. Yeah, but I was just going on my two fears. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. You need to work on your fears, man. <laughs> oh, they're poor. That's another fear. I'm going to work on them. <laughs> I haven't worked with Razzie and Jack uh, so closely in Munster, obviously. What have they done and what have they implemented in South African rugby that has, has made them, uh, has made such a drastic change? Uh, I think, I think, Rassi would have taken all of the good stuff that Irish rugby has and he would have tried to transfer that across to South African rugby. Because South African rugby has like massive playing pool, uh, massive players, but there's just so much politics and, 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 and all that that it just, you know, it's, it's not aligned from the franchise, the super rugby franchises to the national team. Whereas Irish rugby is so well set up like that. So I think Rassi would have made sure that, first of all, the players playing abroad, that they had access to signing the players abroad or to access to playing the players who were playing outside of South Africa. And then he would have had it that, that himself and Jacques and, and his coaching staff with the national team are able to go down and actually do sessions in the franchises across the year so that it's not as big a, 
it's not a big a change up coming from the French Super Rugby franchise up to the national team that they have an idea of what they're doing already. And uh, after that, he would have done pretty much the same thing. I think he did with Munster. He comes in and gives a real a game plan with unbelievable clarity. Everyone's very aware of what their expectations are when they go on the field. And the whole thing is to go out and play as physically as you can, play reasonably pragmatic rugby. Because remember, Rassi didn't come in at the start of a four-year cycle and have time to lay down plan after plan, layer, layering layers on, on his game plan. He's come in and he's had to try and get, first of all, get the political stuff sorted, get the, get, get the players that he wanted available, then bring them together. So I think that the fact that they got momentum through the rugby championship and they seem to be getting a lot of support from, you know, back in South Africa now, where they can be quite fickle, the supporters there. I think that they've got real momentum coming into the championship but um, or into the World Cup. I think that, you know, he has he has Alad Walters in there now trying to get mm. the, you know, he was working with us with Munster as head of S&C and now he's he's over the box and bringing Felix in there. So it's, it's going to be a pretty simple game plan based on territory, um, but just so hard to stop because the players are so big. In terms of mo motivating then, what kind of guy is he for that? He seems to create... Uh, serious belief and just you know injects a lot of energy into a team uh, is there anything in particular he does to create that it, it, just it's just presence? it's yeah look he has a presence he's a, the guy is a genius he's a genius and he's a great guy to, like I learned so much from working with him um, but it's just he just he just sets it out so simply he sets it out so simply to everyone what they're expected what the expectations are for them in in, in the club and he's not He's not micromanaging people. He just says, "Listen, you go out and you do your thing. You just get it to the level that we that we want. And everyone, when everyone is pulling together, we'll all achieve this. And the, the team comes team comes first. And uh, I give you an example: is that Rassi used to Rassi boil everything down. Like we were we were so obsessed with making sure that the players had the right kit on, that they they you know that they were punctual for everything at the meetings, that they were eating right, that they were gymming right, they were recovering right, being nice to supporters, you know, that, you know, they made sure that they got better every single day of training, you know, that they, when, when they went out on a Saturday that they left nothing in the tank, that they absolutely emptied themselves, um, you know, that they made sure they didn't park badly, you know, and, and reflect badly on the club, you know, like 10 things. And if you ask people to do those 10 things, they'll, they'll wear the right tracksuit, they'll gym well, they'll eat well, they'll recover well, they'll do eight of them, you know, but they won't, potentially they won't, the two hardest things are getting better every day at training and making sure that you, you absolutely empty yourself when you, when, when you cross the line on Saturday. And Rassi took all the stuff away and said, listen, this is clear, when you walk on the four white, walk, walk across that white line, those four white lines on the Saturday, that's what I'm judging you on, that's it. And then working backwards from there then, it made it really, really simple because we were kind of like, we, we just got so caught up in and stuff that didn't really move the performance needle. And obviously, if a guy's playing well on a Saturday, if he wants to be consistent with it and do it every single week, he starts making sure that he's punctual, that he's gymming well, that he's recovering well. But Rassi made it really, really simple what the expectations were for everyone when they in, in the club. And if you do it, and Rassi would never criticize someone for a skill error, it would only be for effort errors. And he made it really, really simple. And it wasn't just, like the staff, we all loved him. We thought he was brilliant. Like he just empowered everyone, and it was a really, real good buzz there. Like you know. Well, I'm afraid of them now. Yeah, I know they're they're, they're the shark now. <laughs> well, like, the yeah. thing is, is that like, and we saw what Munster is that like, it's a it's a game plan that Saracens play as well, yeah. and and we took it on with Munster, and it's you know it's 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 territory based, 
and it's percentages based as well until you get in the opposition half and they would never say to you like don't do something you try everything when you're in the opposition half but it becomes predictable and we found that when we once when we played Saracens they just had bigger players so while we could match them for a certain period the cost the cumulative cost on trying to match bigger men in collisions every single you know in every moment of the game you know by 60 minutes your players are spent and then they're bringing on a whole ro a whole roster of internationals then off the bench and we couldn't live with that so we we realized that with Munster we needed to develop more to our game and and there you know you can't just have only one philosophy there has to be you know a bit more of a run focus but i think that South Africa probably aren't there yet where they have that run focus. That's why I think that for the magic plays for them, the like of Cheslin Kobe, I think Willie LaRue is going to be like, there's so much pressure on Willie LaRue now because they don't have out and out. I suppose Francois Stein could play 15, but after that, they really need, they really need LaRue to step up for them. Uh, talking of Saracens there, that brings us nicely onto England in Group C. Uh, the pool of death, if you will. It's very dramatic, that, isn't yeah. it? Pool of death. death. Yeah. yeah, it's not really. I can just see England just mm. absolutely fucking demolishing everyone. Yeah. Um, mm. Eddie Jones, there was an article in The Guardian um, uh, done by Eddie Jones's uh, book writer yesterday, which kind of took you through his path to where he is today and a uh, very impressive read, actually. I'd look it up if you, if you, if you want. Um, and how you know how well he did at the last World Cup with Japan, and how he turned around their rugby and their the rugby within the whole country, and now has moved into the English side. And just a few predictions that he made from talking to this journalist at the start of the this four year cycle, and saying like, "Look, I expect us to to go well for the first couple of years, and then the third year we'll have a dip. That's the way it normally happens. In the fourth year, we'll 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 pick it back up." And he talks about really putting them pressure on the players and, and, and stretching them like in that second year which you know the, the year the mm. Lions when they've you know everyone was saying English players are, are flogged and they're not, they're not you know they're not given enough time to rest and he, he wanted them to go through that he wanted their, their fitness to go through the roof he wanted them to get bigger and stronger and it's all part of the plan it's all part of the plan they had a dip in the third year and then the fourth year when did he say so this did he say this say this at the start of his yeah back mm. in year one like and uh, I suppose when you look at how much you know experience he has and been that South African World Cup winning uh, coaching ticket in 2007 and uh, coached Australia to, to the World Cup final as well didn't he and it's just God he's got you, you, you'd, you'd be even more kind of fearful of what England will do um, it was no matter what no, no matter what stage they're at the, that game against Ireland just showed or even all the, all the friendly so far showed the importance of keep to a langy fit Keep believing a pull of it, and you'll you're oh, in deep. You'll be de yeah. yeah. You know, I had a couple of guys. Mm. You're in you're in decent shape. I remember uh, years ago when P when Pinar was in his um, prime, uh, we were doing a goal setting um, like a workshop with Ulster, and uh, and the 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 title was um, what do we want to be world class at or what do we want to be the best in the world at, and uh, one group came back and said we want to be the best in the world at keeping Pinar fit. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like England of something similar with two or three guys. If they keep those three fit, add Farrell into the mix. Mm. Why not? Then I think they're they're they'll be in decent shape. They'll do, they'll mm. do well. Yeah, they have a nice run of games, don't they? They have a few of the easier games uh, early doors um, before it kind of heats up for them. So, I mean, 
I can't see them slipping up. And France, Argentina, how do you see who, that going? Who knows between France and Argentina? Who knows, man? You, just, you changed your tune. You thought France were back a few weeks ago. Yeah, mm. but then the following week they were used. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who knows? And look, they're two similar enough teams. I think France and Argentina, they can they can be hot and cold. So yeah. um, we'll see. And the USA and Tonga, obviously, uh, I think they'll just be hoping to get one of them get a win. Yeah. Uh, Pool D, Wales, Australia, Georgia, Fiji, Uruguay. Uh, Wales obviously taking a few... Uh, Having a few injury worries with Anscombe and uh, uh, Tau and I suppose that not playing particularly well in the in the warm up games. Mm. Um, been, there hasn't been a huge amount said about them, but um, do you still think they're as in a strong a position as they were? I think before they are. The I think they are because because of their route. So if they manage to get a win against Australia, which they easily could do, then they'll play either France or Argentina in the quarterfinals. Mm. You know, it's it's actually. It's a nice wee way to navigate the World Cup, get and then one or two games. I think <laughs> I'm pretty much <laughs> saying that so they're gonna they're gonna win the World Cup. Yeah. Just like if they listen to this podcast, they might <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. be very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Uh, Australia then, on the other hand, um, did have a pretty pretty impressive uh, warm up uh, series. This part from the Bledisloe, I suppose. Um, Dave Pocock, just see some of the photos of that freak, man. Oh, he's <laughs> mutant, isn't he? My God. Yeah. yeah. He's so ripped, man. Yeah. His skin, his skin looks so paper thin because uh-huh. he's got so little body fat on it. You can it. see his organs. Yeah. yeah. I need to get to that level. <laughs> I want to be able to see my organs working. <laughs> Come on, liver. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, going off the last World Cup, they weren't in outstanding form for the few years before and they're coming into it and then still managed to get to a final and mm. they always seem to peak at the right time. So, yeah. look, um, any teams for throughout, apart from Ireland, that you'd be rooting for or uh, anyone you'd like to, do, to see do well? South Africa and Felix. Yeah, Ross. South Africa. Yeah. At least if Ireland don't win the World Cup and if South Africa do then and we have an Irish man with a medal yeah. and we have like three, four, four Munster men coaching them, so... Yeah, I wonder if Felix will get 250 grand if he wins the World Cup. <laughs> and he'll just put it into his... 250 piggy. rand. What? I thought was going to 250 grand. Any players that you're really looking forward to seeing? Well, a lot of the guys you spoke about, Billy Bonapola, looking to see if he can continue that form through the World Cup. I think... I think... Uh, Karebi... Karebi has been phenomenal yeah. for Australia and I think he, he's due a massive World Cup. I, I have him on my so, list as well. Yeah. You're a big fan yeah. of the Fijians, right? Yeah, yeah. I was looking, um, I was Pat, Pat had mentioned to me what, what did I think of, of, of Fiji and I, I watched I watch him I watched him against who did I watch him against? I watched him against uh, Japan. And uh, I just looked at the if you look at the Fijian roster, who they have, they have Radrada. They have Botia, you know Botia, that guy plays for La Rochelle, that yeah. freak. He plays six, he plays twelve. Yeah, yeah. Yato, the back row. They have um, Bill Mata is one of the guys who could be a star at the World Cup because he's going to get ball all the time because he's playing at eight. He's going to get ball off the base of the scrum. They're going to use him. You know, he's going to he's going to be taking all their restarts and running it back. And the guy is just a freak. He's he's, ha- he's handling his offloading. Nakarawa, um, Volavola, and the. Tuasova, I'm not sure if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Matawalu, like, you know, when, when you when you go to when you when you're prepping for a team and you go, who who are their danger men? You go, there's generally one or two of those guys, 
but Fiji have like maybe nine of them. And it's just whether they can come together and be aligned and be fit enough that they can they can actually manage games because they can they can break a game open easy. It's funny when I watched them against Japan, they actually scored two mall tries. J- Japanese mall mall D was terrible, but the Japanese just played at a tempo that the Fijians couldn't live with. Mm. And uh, then when when the Japanese started getting tired, the Fijians just started winning all the collisions and just getting their hands free. But it was it was two mall tries from Fiji. I think they're going to be everyone's second team. You know, they were at the last World Cup where everyone was like, yeah, I want Ireland to win, but it's like, yeah, let's let's see Fiji throw the ball yeah, around. Yeah. Right, thanks everybody for listening on all your favourite apps and for those of you watching on YouTube, hello. Uh, cheers to everyone that was involved in making the show today, to producer Pat, to Paul, to Dermot and Anthony, to Jerry for coming on, to Trimby. This has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. Yeah. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.